Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, ESPN LA, and Andy, very excited to bring back uh, one of our favorite actors. Our guest today is, you know, from Sling Blade, A Simple Plan, TV, just crushed it with Fargo. Uh, he's got a new series on Amazon called Goliath. And, of course, he played history's most deplorable mall Santa in 2003's Bad Santa, now revisiting the role in Bad Santa 2, which comes out on November 23rd, just in time for Thanksgiving. Of course, it's Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, we'll get to the movie here in a second, but when we talked to you a few years ago, it was when your book came out, and we, we talked a little bit about your tryout with the Royals. Um Right. A bunch of years back, and you said your slider at the time. This was like through 2012, years ago. I believe. Yeah, you said your slider still had a fair amount of bite to it. How's yeah. that going? Is that still true? Yeah, I can still throw that. I, I uh, my curveball is not what it used to be, and uh, I never threw very hard. Uh, like I would never even be considered these days. But that that tryout I have with the Royals is actually uh, they used to have these traveling camps, you know. And they'd come around and look at local talent, you know, and uh, that's where that was. And I got my collarbone broken there, and then hit the road with the rock and roll band, and the rest, as they say. No, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm still a baseball nut, you know, diehard Cardinal fan. Hey, I, actually, we were going to ask you about that. Being a diehard Cardinal fan. What are what are your thoughts on the Cubs no longer being World the lovable Champions losers? Chicago Cubs. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> it was kind of hard hard to swallow. But see, the thing is, is I love Chicago as a city, and I love the people there. I love going there, and I've always had a soft spot for the Cubs. You know, even though we have a big rivalry. But uh, you know, but I think it's easier when they're losing, and then all of a sudden. That now that they've won the World Series, the soft spot hardens up a little. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's funny because Andy and I are both from St. Louis as well, and so you know we. But growing up, we never hated the Cubs like they were so bad. No, I hated the Mets. Right, the, the Mets were pond scum. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I can totally understand that. Yeah, the Cubs were never really a. You know, even though I, I think the rivalry, rivalry was built up by people more than it really existed, you know. Uh, and uh, to tell you the truth, in the last decade, uh, the team that I always uh, had to be up the rear about was more the Reds after that fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I, I can't stand to get beat by the Reds. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was uh, – it's it's good to not have them uh, up there competing right now with us, but uh, you know we'll, we'll make it back. I mean that's a that, that organization's got too much class. They, they'll, they'll be back up there again soon. Plus, it just also it sort of feels like with the Cubs, like as good as good as this team is set up for the future, they they just sort of feel like they're going to do this once, and we're going to be waiting another hundred eight years. Right, the type yeah, of that would, be, that would be fine. <laughs> um, it's, That'll be fine with everybody in the division outside the Cardinals. Um, it's been uh, 13 years since um, Willie Stokes was on screen, and you you revisited that character. And we were curious it, when it comes to picking up chemistry with like Tony Cox, who plays your partner in crime, or in particular Brett Kelly, uh, Thurman Merman, the, the kid from Bad Santa, who's now in his 20s. What is it like trying to? To pick up that chemistry, you know, especially with Brett, you know, he was a kid then. He's an adult now. He's a he's a different person. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, probably presented more of a challenge. I mean, Tony, he's still exactly the same. And Tony, 
entertains me to no end. I mean, I, I just I laugh at that guy. I just think he's so funny, and uh, uh, especially since he, in real life he's such a nice guy. I mean, he's one of the nicest people you'll ever run into in your lifetime. And to hear him uh, uh, spout a string of those words uh, just <laughs> makes me laugh. And uh, and Brett, uh, I'd seen over the years, you know, a few times. He and Tony both, and uh, so I, I saw Brett when he was like thirteen or fourteen, and then again at like sixteen. So I saw him grow up a little bit. But boy, when I first met with him for this, uh, we met with the director and one of the studio people uh, when we started to do this new one. And he uh, showed up at lunch, and I saw some uh, uh, hair, uh, chest hair coming up over his shirt, and it creeped me out. I was like, oh, no, this can't be real. Thurman Merman has chest hair. And uh, and then he ordered a beer, and I just I, I felt like I was in a, on another planet. Um, but, uh, you know, he's graduated college, and he's a guy, so you have to relate to him on a different level. But then when he went into the role... Uh, he was. It was like somebody just put an air hose in an eight-year-old and blew him up bigger, <laughs> and uh, uh, he was right back in it. So the chemistry between the three of us is—it's just kind of naturally there, I think. Uh, so it, yeah, it worked out fine. Andy and I have a joke that we we tell a lot that that when you have to choose between funny and mean, funny always wins. Um, and there obviously there are limits, but you know these movies particularly. What is the balance sort of between being subversive and crude, you know, so where the, where the humor doesn't get lost in any, like, in mean-spiritedness or whatever, if you understand what I'm getting at. It's, it can be a tough balance to, to stay funny and still be right. that harsh at the same time. Right. Yeah, you're right. There's there's a definite tone to Bad Santa, and you have to stay within that tone. Um uh, and that's what we wanted to make sure and capture in this movie, which I, th- I think we did. And, uh... It's. Um, I, I completely understand the, the question. I don't know if there's a real explanation of how you do it uh, and why people can, you know, laugh at the guy, even though he's he's kind of ripping people a lot. Um, I think part of it is we all have a natural instinct uh, to uh, uh, when when people are just idiots. You know, you have little tolerance for it. <laughs> And I think that's really what Willie is. Willie's not an aggressor. He's he's not a, he's not a proactive guy. He just reacts to things. And I think that's where it helps the the humor and it keeps it from being too mean. Is because he's only reacting to whatever other people do that he finds stupid, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also just his look. And you kind of you kind of feel bad for the guy because you know he's got a heart. And especially in the new movie, you you kind of see through the character of his mother where he came from and how he got where he is and uh so I, I think he's I think there's a certain sympathy for Willie and so his meanness can uh, be laughed at easier. When you're putting it together, what's the the, the challenge of like the, when the first one came out, I, I don't think anybody was prepared for it. And you go back right. and, and people, you know, where they find on YouTube, wherever they want to find it, the the clips that are there. I mean, it is a hysterically funny movie. But now people know what to expect when they go into the theater. So how did that influence you know, the, the process of, of creating the movie and you know, f- forming the jokes and the characters and the situations mm-hmm. like that? Because now people ex- have, a, have an understanding of what Bad Santa is supposed to be. Right. 
Well, we wanted to keep the spirit of the first movie and yet do something to amp it up. And the good news is, is we did it subtly. Uh, part of it uh, was that this is there's more of a story and sort of more of a Christmas story to this one, and also uh, uh, it's a, it's a little more emotional. But at the same time, we made the raunchiness and the language a little more descriptive. <laughs> uh, this time, Willie puts pictures in your head with some of the things he says, uh, so it's not just profanity. Uh, and one of the things we wanted to make sure we didn't do is, you know, sometimes when a comedy has a sequel, they think, well, what do we do to make this one different and yet the same? So they'll always go broader, and they just get more outlandish with it. And we didn't do that with this one. We we kept it right in the vein of the first one, and yet, you know, came up with a new story and some new situations. It's an interesting time for this movie to be coming out, just in the sense that this year has basically been a continuous referendum on political correctness and discourse and what should be said, what shouldn't be. And, like, right. no matter where you come down on that topic, it feels like a very trenchant movie. Is this a for, good time or a bad yeah. time for Bad Santa, too? <laughs> Uh, well, I guess according to the uh, uh, yeah current climate, it's uh, it's probably fifty fifty. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. Uh, but uh, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is you know, it, you know, it's just a movie and it's meant for entertainment. And uh, and at the end of the day, the movie has a heart and actually says something. And uh, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, they call it the liberal arts. <laughs> so uh, if if people who are bent more uh, uh, in a liberal way, uh, you know, those are the people, the very people that are supposed to be defending your right to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, speak your mind and... and uh, and also, they should be against censorship and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, you know, I don't know if there should be political correctness in entertainment. I mean, you know, in the arts. Uh, you know, not everybody wants to go into a gallery and look at Rob, Robert Maplethorpe pictures, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, or some, you know, there's a lot of, you know, art galleries that might show something that some people might consider profane or too explicit, you know. But if you know that that's where you're going, then you shouldn't complain. So anybody who goes to see Bad Santa should already know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. right. know that they, they might be in for some... Uh, Jolts, you know. I, yeah, it's it's sort of your at this point. Maybe if you walked into the first one and didn't understand, you know, maybe you know you can blame it on. Th at this else. point, the problem's you, right? Um, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. You're right. And and uh, uh, the other thing is, one time in a, a Q and A, I, I may I may have told you guys this before, but um, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but there was a woman in a Q and A one time at you know some film festival or something. This is after the first movie, and. Uh, she said, how do you feel about ruining the name of Santa Claus and the Bible and uh, various things like that and Christmas? And I said, well, I said, ma'am, let me, let me just straighten a couple of things out. Uh, I said, first of all, I, I've read the Bible, uh, and uh, Santa Claus is not in it. <laughs> uh, Santa is not in Ecclesiastes. Uh, and uh, second of all, I'm not playing Santa Claus. I'm playing a criminal who dresses up like Santa Claus. So it's just like if you go see a movie about some bank robbers who put Richard Nixon masks on and rob a bank, it's the same thing. So, uh, 
uh, we, we weren't trying to ruin Christmas. We're, we're just making a funny movie that's an alternative to, you know, the more sentimental, you know, usual Christmas movies. You're you know. still able to go home and watch It's a Wonderful Life. No, no one's going to yeah, stop Yeah, absolutely, you. yeah. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the sort of sad differences, I guess, between the first one and the second one, you know, they're... The, the, the Bernie Mac and John Ritter have both passed since since right. the uh, the first one. Um, I know you you had a, a special relationship with John. Uh, what what made him such a talented actor? You know, with all the the different things that you guys worked on together. From the perspective of working with him, mm-hmm. right. Well, first of all, John was one of the most entertaining guys uh, I was ever around. I mean, personally, also, and uh, he was one of my closest friends, and, and just one of the one of the coolest guys you'd ever run into. And what was surprising about him uh, and working with him was uh, how versatile he really was. And he'd been pigeonholed as the guy who tripped over the couch in Three's Company, mm-hmm. and yet he. He, he was a terrific actor, and that's why I put him in Sling Blade. Uh, he was uh, he was always present, and what you want out of actors uh, when you're in a scene with somebody, you, you need them to be present, you know, unless they're playing, you know, a drug addict or not supposed to be present, <laughs> but uh, they need to be in the moment with you. And John was right there. I mean, he'd look you right in the eye, and and he was always real, no matter if it was silly comedy or and a drama. He was he was right there. Uh, just a, a great guy to work with, and and so was Bernie. Bernie was a terrific guy, and we missed both of them. Uh, but you know, even if they were still around, uh, to have them in this uh, incarnation of the movie, uh, it would have been pushing it. You know, we would have had to have forced them into it somehow. Because like, why are they all going from Arizona <laughs> to Chicago? You know. <laughs> So I think John and Bernie would both get a kick out of me saying that, you know. Uh, yeah, they're both both terrific guys. Getting the band back together doesn't mean getting literally every single member of the band exactly. back. Exactly. Right. That's right. Um, I remember when we talked with you about the book, um, we discussed how both you came from the South, from a, a culture of storytelling. That's how you grew up, but also how you were finding decreasingly few good stories being told in Hollywood through movies, but that you also had faith that maybe that was going in the direction of TV. And now you've been involved with a couple series. Does TV lend itself well to that element of storytelling, just with the sense of being able to stretch out plot lines, you know, taking your time, situations can breathe? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, TV is the place to be now if you wanted, if you're an independent film actor or director that's the place you're able to do it now because the independent film business is pretty much gone. I mean, it's not that they're not still made, but they usually get a little distributor and nobody sees them. And, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you go to, into a studio these days and say, Hey, I got a, uh, I, I got a movie about a one-armed grapefruit salesman who lives in a closet, you know, <laughs> and it's not exactly the one you're probably going to see on 3000 screens. Uh, so, it is a tough uh, log line, though, in fairness. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'll give you that. Why, why grapefruit? Does it have to be grapefruit? I have no idea. I, I just ramble. You, you guys know that. But uh, but the thing is, uh, TV, you're absolutely right about that. You, you have an opportunity now on like places like Amazon, where I just did Goliath, and, uh, and FX, where I did Fargo. You know, those kind of places, you can... 
basically make a 10-hour or 8-hour or 3-hour, whatever it is, independent film. And you do have a, a more time to develop a story and characters and everything. So it's actually a luxury in a lot of ways. And now that TV is cool, uh, actors who are have been predominantly film actors, like I have been, uh, we don't feel there's a stigma anymore. You know, you can actually do this. I mean, when I did Fargo, I, I thought, well, okay, I'm sold. I, I understand this, and uh, I, I'm all for it. So if you want to do good work as an actor and be able to develop characters like we did in the independent film uh, sort of renaissance period there, uh, that's the place to go. Speaking of Fargo, were you surprised at all with just how well that show turned out? Because it's always a challenge to adapt a movie to television to begin with, and that movie is the source material is so good and so specific. I mean, I know I was excited about it coming out, but skeptical that it could be done as as well as it was. Oh yeah, I, I, and I completely understood people's skepticism. I mean, I was skeptical myself when I was offered the part because uh, I, you know, I revered the the movie and uh have worked with the coen brothers a few times and they're my friends and first i kind of cleared it with them and i called them up and uh said hey are you guys on board with this they said yeah we read it we're good with it you know and so uh that was the first step but uh after i read the pilot and saw what a great job uh noah holly did writing it uh he completely captured the tone of the movie and yet created a new animal at the same time. And uh, once we started shooting and we were in the scenes, uh, we we knew that we were actually in the pocket, you know, that it wasn't going to be a, a disappointment or uh, an insult to anyone who loved the movie. And I would assume, too, it, it helps that you know it's it's over. You know when the story ends as opposed to a traditional TV show where you, right. know, you have to wonder, well, if we get picked up, how is this story going to translate to season two, season three, season four? Right. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the way it, it worked out. The fact that after those ten episodes, it it could it was a complete story, and it could it could end there. But it left the door open to other possibilities, and they they explored it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a great thing about these these. Uh, sort of extended miniseries and things like that is they if you think you've said everything then you can stop and it's complete and if you and if you think you've got some more to say you can go on and uh i was real happy to see that their second season was a, a success uh at least critically you know it didn't do as well uh with, with the viewership you know wasn't uh it was it was down from the first one but uh, still, it was respected. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to make a third, and, and I feel very right. confident that the third season's going to be quite good because the first two were were excellent. Just, yeah, there's no no reason to believe it wouldn't be. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd like if they do a fourth season, I'd, I'd like to see them use uh, I, I just get some really awful. Uh, if they can find some terrible actors <laughs> put in the fourth season and make and say this is going to be the final season, and then just see what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, so, it, let's see. Let, let's see how good a writer you really are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he is a Noah Hawley. He is a. He I, might be the best showrunner in TV right now. He's just fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's terrific. Um, last question for you, and, I, and I'm asking this, uh, Billy, because I need your help. Um, I, I read in a GQ profile that just came out that um, you became really introduced and really got 
very into My Little Pony through right. your daughter. She's now 12, but at the time she was younger. And you really seem to enjoy that world. And I'm asking because I have a five-and-a-half-year-old who loves My Little Pony and wants uh -huh. to play it with me, and I don't understand it. I don't understand the world of the cartoon. And I, I'm right. wondering if you could help me just like figure out which pony to latch on to or just sort of my entry yeah. into this because I want to play with her, but I don't get it. Well, my daughter's favorite is Twilight Sparkle, <laughs> and uh, uh, mine, I, I like two of them uh, the best. I like Applejack because I relate to her as a farm girl and a, <laughs> you know, kind of a hillbilly. Uh, so my upbringing was a little more like Applejack. Um, <laughs> Fluttershy I like because she sounds like Marilyn Monroe. Uh, but see, my daughter is, now that she's 12, we watch the sort of spinoff mainly, which is called Equestria Girls. <laughs> And Equestria Girls is an alternate universe where it's the same characters, but now they're girls in high school. Really? Huh? Uh, they're not hor they're not horses <laughs> at all. Yeah, but they but they look the same coloring and everything as the, as the pony characters. But the the thing you got to really understand with this is that maybe the kids don't know it, but somehow uh, it, it kind of uh, sinks into them in a in in some kind of subconscious way. Uh, really heavy themes, you know. I mean, they've had shows that were about, like, you know, Big Brother watching us and sort of like socialism and things like that, wanting everybody to be the same. They've had ones about, uh, you know, insecurity, jealousy, you know. So the themes of the shows are always, you know, they, you could make a movie out of them. It, you just have to get used to the fact that it's little horses but the fact of the matter is i i, I just uh, you know, my my daughter has me wrapped around her finger I, whatever she however i can spend time with her and enjoy something that she loves i'm all for it i i don't care what i'll endure anything <laughs> well it sounds like it's more than enduring it it sounds like you actually appreciate it have you started well, yeah, watching I mean, it without it got me into it yeah. i mean when when you've seen like 60 episodes or something <laughs> you're going to catch on to it after a while and just want to watch it oh uh well that's 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 awesome i'm glad we, i'm glad we got to cover that so uh <laughs> the film is bad santa 2 it opens on november 23rd that's uh Wednesday, Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, and uh -huh. of course it stars Billy Bob Thornton. And thank you so much for uh, for making the time. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. You're, it's a, it's a pleasure always. Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. You got it.